I love to treat myself to a warm, cozy cup of coffee, but unfortunately, coffee has exacerbated my health issues. Lair's Adaptogenic Blend takes coffee to a new level with three functional mushrooms, chaga, lion's mane, and cordyceps. What I love about their coffee is that it tastes like coffee and not like mushrooms. I also love that it didn't cause flares for me. I also really enjoyed the coffee, but I especially love the turmeric superfood creamer, which is a dairy-free creamer that contains naturally occurring MCTs from coconut oil. You can add it straight to your coffee. I personally mix mine with oat milk and use the frother they sent along with it, and it has such a smooth, creamy taste. Are you ready to feel more energized, focused, and supported? Go to layeredsuperfood.com slash hoodoo and add nourishing plant-based foods to fuel you from sunrise to sunset. Use our promo code hoodoo at checkout to save 15% off your purchase today. Hoodoo plants, mamas. Get your soul fed and your spirit red. This year in the trend, I possess the power from way back when. Back when folks were stripped from all of their kin, so they had to find the magic within. Ancestors and gather my urge. I conjure at my altar. Hoodoo play mama. I manifest growth and I release trauma. Child, we just out here trying to water our plants and mind our business, you know? Everybody ain't from the deep south, man. Everybody can't have a culture like us. Hey y'all, and welcome back to another episode of Hoodoo Plant Mamas. I am one of your co-hosts, Leah Nicole. And I'm Danny B. And today we are joined by Nancy Price of Dreaming in Color. Nancy, would you like to introduce yourself? Hey ladies, yes I would. Um, Hello everybody, my name is Nancy B. Price. I am a collage artist, writer, storyteller from Girard, Georgia, currently living in Statesboro. And I am the host of Dreaming in Color with Nancy B. Price. Um, And I am so excited to be on here today uh, talking about dreams with y'all. Thank you for having me. Of course. We can go ahead and get into our check-in. Nancy, we will start with you. How are you today? Um, you know, today is is cool. I'm a little fooled by the weather though, because it feel it looks so gorgeous outside. And I want to sit outside, but it feels like it's like two degrees because we're going through a snap right now. Um, that like pre-spring snap. And so um I'm just relegated uh to my house and my space heater. Um and doing the best I can with what I got. <laughs> I know that's right because it is so cold here as well after we had such good weather but I know it's because spring she she liked to come in cute she like let me show y'all what I can do so what about you Leah um I have also blessed with cool weather right now it's been 80 degrees since like January now it's 60 so <laughs> I I'm very grateful for that Recently, I was featured in this article by this journalist. This journalist interviewed me about my plants and (laughs) my garden. So I was featured in that. That was really fun. Um, If you haven't checked it out, it's on our page, actually. It's on our Instagram page. She's talking about me, y'all. I guess we'll include a link in the bio, but yeah, well, I am doing okay today. Um, I'm making it. Let's get into some gratitude because I'm I'm feeling like I just I need to conjure some gratitude in my life. Today I'm thankful for our guest. It took me a minute because of my 
like I got commitment issues when it comes to everything. And it's like, okay, I'm, I'm a, I'm a watch this show. I'm a listen to this podcast and I like procrastinate. And then I finally just binged it. And I was so mad at myself because I was like, this was so good. I should have been added this to the rotation. So yeah, thank you so much. It's such an honor to have you here. Yeah. And I'm thankful for the conversation that we're going to have today. What about y'all? I think for me, I am also thankful um, to be uh, in community with y'all. Thanks for having me in your orbit. Danny, I will say that like, for someone who is like, has commitment issues or whatever, you were like one of the very first people to follow the podcast on Instagram. And it kind of like put the fire under my ass to like get it posted <laughs> because the podcast was like private or something like that. And I was just like, I'll just post it private and just get my feet wet. And then you was like follower number one or two. And I was just like, oh, hell, <laughs> I need to get on it. <laughs> so um I am uh thankful um that you did you were sort of you know inadvertently a part of getting me to get over myself in order to get this podcast out and into the world even if it took you a little bit to finally listen that don't matter I don't care um the fact is that you are a listener and um I appreciate you and y'all's podcast too and um you know yeah amen well, thank you. Um, thank you for being here. Something I am grateful for this whole past week, my foot has been like, I don't, I don't want to say swollen, but I haven't been able to walk on it. And now I'm finally able to walk. I've just been having like, the week before that, I had a sinus infection and then my foot started oh, messing up. No. I know it's just been, <laughs> it's been a mess for me, but I'm feeling better and I'm grateful for that. <laughs> So Nancy, you host Dreaming in Color, and it's about Black people, dreams, and the lessons we learn from them. Can you share where this idea came from and what you hope to accomplish with your podcast? So I've always been fascinated with uh, dreams, and um, it was something that started when I was little. Everybody in my family had dreams, mostly the women in my family, not too much the men, um, even though I do have like, you know, uncles and some cousins who have had dreams, but like my mama, my aunts, my cousins, my the girl cousins in my family, we all dreamed. And then we shared those dreams with everybody. And it was, it, it felt like a form of like communication and connection, but also uh, like storytelling, like sitting around the campfire. Well, for me, it was on the front porch. We ain't do campfires like that, but we would be on the front porch and it would just be like sharing any other sort of like waking experience. It'd be like, let me tell y'all about this dream I had last night. And so I was always fascinated with that mode of, of storytelling and how like magical it is and intriguing it is to hear someone convey something that happened in their subconscious because it almost sort of felt like it really happened like you couldn't tell them that it didn't happen you know to some capacity and then as I got older I started really thinking about like the strong connection black people had with like how we tell our dreams and how we make those connections in waking life and how we move about the world um, based off of the dreams that we had. And, you know, most people I talk to, um, the one of the, like the main things that comes to mind for them is like the fish dream, where if somebody dream about a fish, nine times out of 10, somebody is pregnant. And if you don't find out who's pregnant now, then, you know, um, either they was pregnant or don't know they pregnant or they about to get pregnant or something like that. And so from that, I sort of just started thinking about how cool it would be to sort of document 
this in some capacity. Um, I wasn't sure if it was going to be like, I don't know, just going up because I I do performance storytelling at open mics. So I was just like, well, I just need to go up there and just tell my own dreams. But it's just like, you know, at a certain point, I'm gonna run out of dreams to talk about. But I hear all these other people share dreams that they have. And I thought it would be really cool to sort of memorialize that, um, that method of, of storytelling, of dream telling the same way that I sort of received it, which is like through word, through, through speaking. And, you know, the podcast idea just made perfect sense for me. It was just like, you know, um, how cool would it be to get people's experiences, their dream experiences and share it to the world in the same way um, that, that I received it. And, um, from there, you know, the, the podcast came and, um, you know, it just, it just all came together. It just made sense. And every time I reach out to somebody to ask them about a dream, I always be so scared. Cause I'm just like, do you even dream? Like, cause you know, I, black people are not a monolith. And so <laughs> I don't expect every black person to, to dream or have dreams or remember their dreams, but it's just been so amazing. The people that I've talked to thus far, um, whose dreams have just been like out of this world. And it's so cool to like, not just experience dream and dream telling within my own community um, and in my family, but just like the community, the black community as a whole. I love that. We borrowed a bit from you with this question, but this is for everybody. What is y'all's relationship to dreaming? I feel like my relationship to dreams is definitely spiritual. Um, one of the first things I think about with um, me and dreaming is is my ancestors and my relationship with them. Um, for me, dreaming is a way for them to communicate with me and the how they show up in my dreams, sort of how, how they show up and when they show up sort of dictate how I process the world around me when I'm awake. So for example, and I, I feel like I might've mentioned this um, on the show, one of my grandmothers who I have a, uh, had a pretty strong connection with, um, her name's Corrine Robertson. She's my great grandmama on my mama's mama's side. And she always shows up when I'm like under stress. And she was this little short, skinny woman and whenever she's in my dream, she don't never say nothing. Like she'll just sit there with a hand, like she'll be holding her hands in her lap or she'll be standing up and holding her hands behind her back and just around. And sometimes I, she doesn't even show up in my dream. I just feel her, you know? And when I have those dreams, it's always when I'm like going through a big transition or under a lot of stress or having some mental health issues. But then like when I see Corrine pop up, I'm like, okay, you know what? Let me, let me stop tripping. <laughs> like, Corrine got me, you know, all my other people, they got me. Um, I've dreamt about so many of my other ancestors, but of course, like Corrine is the one who comes to me the most. But of course, all my dreams aren't just like spiritual ancestral stuff. Sometimes it just be some crazy shit that go on. <laughs> that I think is really cool to document too. It's just like, you know, yeah, me and my friend got into it. And then as soon as we started fighting, she turned into a plate of nachos and it'll make no sense. <laughs> it'll make no sense. <laughs> but um, I, I love how dreams are a chance for me to like live out um, my life in a way that is ridiculous and 
um, exciting and spiritual and just, you know, just it, it further informs the way that I live and, and exist in this world. What about you, Leah? I kind of view dreams as being a portal and, you know, a portal to a different life, to a different dimension, world, realm, whatever you want to call it. And also like Nancy, I do view dreams as a form of divination and a way of communicating with my ancestors. Like I just had a dream this morning where I was back in the 60s. (laughs) I was back in the 60s. I was in a predominantly Black community, okay? (laughs) In the 60s. And I was looking for my great-grandma so I found this girl and she took me to her and I was just talking to her. She had a whole bunch of kids in the house. I actually don't know how many kids she had, but she had a whole bunch of kids in the house. And I was just talking to her and then I was trying to hint to her that I was her great granddaughter. <laughs> and then the whole dream went black and I had to start over again. And because I couldn't tell her that I was her great granddaughter, I was like, shit. Um, but I don't know what that dream meant. And I, I don't remember a lot of what she said, but I just remember like sitting and talking to her and be like, oh my God, I can't believe like, I'm actually like able to, um, remember this. Cause I was eight when she died. Um, so I have very limited memory about like who she was, even the way that she spoke. I don't remember a lot of that. I just remember going to her house and she would have soft peppermint and she would always give me some. <laughs> I view dreams as like this way to connect with my ancestors. And then I also use dreams as like a source of creativity and I use it in my work. Sometimes I'll directly take a dream and just write it out and make a short story from it. And sometimes I use it as like a jumping off point. In my dreams, something will play out that I've like always wondered like, oh, what if I do this thing in my life? And then I'll have a dream where that situation plays out And then it helps me to see like whether or not that's something that I want to do. So dream, there's so many, so many things that happen um, in my dreams. So yeah. What about you, Danny? You know, my relationship to dreaming is complicated. And I think that might be in part due to my relationship to sleeping because I've, for a good chunk of my life, I've had a lot of sleeping related problems. I suffered from insomnia so bad growing up. Um, I also had nightmares a lot as a kid, I guess, because my childhood, there were like so many stressful moments. So I had, I think that's part of why I had nightmares. I also grew up just having really strange dreams. Um, I had a lot of recurring dreams, which I'll talk about in a minute, but I've also always been a daydreamer. I feel like I spent most of the time in my head as a kid. Sometimes I'm daydreaming about the future. As a kid, I used to daydream about shit that was impossible, which, you know, that's not a bad thing. I think it's just indicative of me being very creative, but I used to daydream about being a famous singer, a mermaid, like all kind of stuff. (laughs) So yeah, that's just always been me. And I think that my relationship to dreaming has evolved a lot now that I'm an adult. Now that I sleep much better, like I still have nights where I might toss and turn, but I sleep so much better now these days. Like I don't dread nighttime like I used to do um, as a kid. 
I just want to say that, like, I concur. I also um, suffered from insomnia. I still deal with insomnia. I ain't going to hold you. Like, I don't consistently sleep um, the same for a long period of time. I think for me as a kid, I too um, did not like going to sleep. I would love to fall asleep, <laughs> but I couldn't do it for a long time. And of course, as I got older, I realized that that was connected to like stress and anxiety and depression and, and all that kind of stuff. And so um, I'm glad that you mentioned that because, yeah, I think our our um, mental health and just like our relationship with sleeping in general does impact our relationship with dreams, too. I agree because I when I was on your podcast, Nancy, we talked about a dream that I had in 2020. I had so many like apocalyptic dreams then, which makes sense for the kind of like environment we were in. Um, but now I have like, like you said, I just have like silly dreams. <laughs> People don't turn into nachos, but <laughs> they're just silly dreams. Um, they're pleasant for the most part. I did have a terrifying dream the other day where like someone was trying to hunt me down and kill me. But then I had the dream today about my grandma. So <laughs> So it's just up and down. And I and I think it does depend on my mood and also like the stressors in my life um, that shows up in my dreams as well. You already talked about this, Nancy, but growing up, I also heard about the fish, meaning that someone is pregnant, which I think is really interesting because across like cultures and millennia, fish has always been equated to fertility. Another thing that I heard uh, when I was younger, is to never follow a dead person in your dreams because you'll die. <laughs> this is so funny to me because one thing about me, I'm a run. Like, I don't care if I know the person. I have had so many. My aunt, maybe like a few months after she died, she kept popping up in my dream. And every time, like, she was smiling and I took off. Like, I don't know what it was. So ain't nobody got to worry about me following those dead people. Well, child, look, I know I'll be gone because I every time I dream about somebody dead, I'm like, oh, what you want? What, is there something important you got to tell me? Where are we going? <laughs> Even though I had the same thing. Like, you know, when I was growing up, it was just like, don't ever follow no dead person. My ass be following them across the street, up the corner. Um, <laughs> like I should have been gone a long time ago. But I also, um, there was this thing in, in uh, my family where they say, like, if you dream about a wedding, it's a funeral, if you dream, and then vice versa, if you dream about a young man dying, it's an old woman dying. I didn't know if y'all had them sort of like inverted sort of experiences too, but that was like, that's something that always ran big and um, with my people. Well, for me, growing up, you know, we all grew up Black in the South, so you know, as you mentioned earlier, um, Nancy, dreams was always, there was always some religious or spiritual undertones. So a lot of my understanding of dreams, even with my friends, when we would sit around, I don't know if y'all remember being kids, but we used to be having some deep conversations when adults weren't around. Like when I think back on it, I was like, we needed somebody to come moderate this because we was really pushing it. But we always talked about dreams well, I always understood dreams as like prophetic, like it was always meant to tell you something. So that was my understanding of dreams from talking with my friends. We used to share stories about what well, my grandma said, if you dream about this, this means so-and-so with well, my auntie. And so that too, kind of like we 
in a way, we kind of exchanged these stories that we had gotten from our families as kids. I feel like I had most of these conversations with my friends growing up, not so much with grownups. I used to just eavesdrop with them. I don't know. I felt like I was very open to like my mom and my grandma about dreams. And like you said, it was seen as like you learn something from your dreams. So anytime I would have an off dream, I would tell them and they would be like, you know, this means so-and-so. That was where I heard about like, don't follow the dead people and fish means pregnancy. Although I never had the fish dreams. My mama would have them, but I never, that's how she found out my sister was pregnant. (laughs) Listen, my mama it, she don't miss like you every time there's a fish somewhere somebody is popping up and then it's just like it's always crazy because she'll like text the whole family group chat then my cousins all the first cousins okay so it was like my mom is the youngest of nine so it's like 30 something first cousins and so all of us on family on a group chat <laughs> texting like is it you is it you is it you and over time like you know I'm on the tail end of the of the first cousin generation so it's really like just me and my brother left. Everybody else got kids. So everybody keeps turning to me <laughs> whenever my mama dream of fish. And I'm just like, baby, I'm sorry. I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> but yeah, I too had that relationship. Like the grownups, well, the grownups and the cousins, like everybody in my family talked about dreams. You know, it's the exact opposite for me with the pregnancy dreams. Like when somebody's pregnant, I just end up dreaming about a baby. Like with my sister, who I never told this, hopefully she don't ever hear this podcast. I doubt she would. But when I woke up the same night, I dreamt of this baby that looked just like my sister. I was holding it. I woke up and I said, ain't no damn way. That's my sister. That ain't my, my sister is not pregnant. This is somebody else. She told me that same day, the next, when I woke up. Um, And it was so funny how she told me because she tried to make it seem like she was talking about somebody else by like asking me a question, like a hypothetical. And I was like, girl, if you pregnant, just go ahead and say it. Because at this point, it's like the dream that I already told me. Um, But I've never dreamt of fishes. It's always a literal baby. It's always a literal baby. But that was the first time Because Leah knows, usually I don't know who it is. Um, That was the first time the baby visibly looked like somebody. And maybe it was just because it was my sister was a blood relative. But I was like, that baby had her whole face. (laughs) I think another thing that sort of would happen a lot, especially just like amongst my mom and my sister, um, is that they would dream about like this witch riding them. And apparently, so I found this book. Um, this is this book. Actually, it's called Dream Singers, The African-American Way with Dreams by Anthony Shafton. And they talked about that, like this, like witch that people that be riding people in their dreams and everything. And I'm just like, shit, is the witch going to come for me next? When I was little, I used to always hear mama and my sister talk about like this witch that would haunt them when they were like little girls into like adulthood. And I'm just like, shit. So one day, like, I think I had a dream about, I think the witch was trying to come get me whatever. And when I tell you, I beat her ass. So I was like, you are not going to be, <laughs> you, what you not going to do is, is ride me as well. And it's just like, I think she came twice. And I don't know if y'all have, have ever heard of that, like with this witch riding y'all in y'all dreams, but I know she tried to come for me too. So another thing, this is part of my sleep issues. I suffer from sleep paralysis. I still get it on rare occasion, but I got it a lot as a kid. And it 
it started happening when I was in the midst of some real intense family stuff. So back in the day, they used to call that either a witch's round your back or the devil round your back. You know, me and my best, my best friends, my what, three best friends growing up, we had a whole conversation about it. One of them had the theory based on their grandma that said, I mean, it's a witch. My other friend said, well, my mama said that it's the devil. The other thing was sleep paralysis, which is why that theory ends up making so much sense is because you hallucinate. Why everybody who has sleep paralysis see the same little shadowy figure? Somebody explain, because it's not making sense that I'm on a whole Twitter thread. Everybody's talking about their sleep paralysis demon, and we all got the same one. So yes, I have heard of that in the context of sleep paralysis. When I tell you sleep paralysis used to be eating my ass up when I was little, it was the worst. I used to wake up crying. I'm like, please, not again, not again. Goddamn, I'm just trying to go to bed. I'm just trying to have a good night's sleep. And it's just like, oh, you can't breathe. You can't move. And for me, I would hear like this white noise, like in my ears when I just know it's coming along. And it's just like, damn, I can't do shit about it. So um, yeah, no, fuck her. I've never heard about sleep paralysis until I was in college. And it sounds terrifying. <laughs> I've never die. had it. I've never had it. I would die. I would probably die. <laughs> That's probably why. <laughs> yeah, no, I would want to sometimes. I'm just like, just take me, just take me, Lord, please. <laughs> you know, it started happening to me so often that sometimes I would, would not even fight it. But I know what you're talking about, that strange noise that you hear, especially as it's ha- happening. I learned to close my eyes so I didn't hallucinate because. I did tell my grandma about it and she told me that I was dreaming, but it never felt like no dream. I could see everything. And then I see that little, whatever that figure is. So I started just closing my eyes and riding that shit out. Um, Because the more you fight it, the harder it's like, it feels like something that's pushing down on you. Anyway, we could go to something more positive, but I'm glad somebody else can relate because that used to have me down bad as a kid. Like I was going through it. (laughs) (laughs) my question this is the fun stuff even though we done already went down this rabbit hole i want to know what's y'all's most memorable childhood dream i think for me i had these two reoccurring dreams one was that i was always running through like the country and i was being chased and it was usually by men and then two I would be like, so where my house was, there was this um, slope. And so I would be running and then I would just like free fall in the air. And I would feel like I was like falling, not flying, falling. And then I would just wake up. And so those were the two that I kept having. And I think a lot of it just had to do with like me constantly being afraid as a child. And then also being, not being in control of anything that I had to do in my life. So You know, I think for me, like three dreams sort of come to mind. Two of them sort of are in the same sort of wheelhouse. Um, I think one of the dreams, actually, it was uh, a dream that I shared on the the season two opener for, for my podcast, where I talk about me running down like a dirt path with like the characters of my novel that I was writing. And so, um, and so like we're running down this path, listen to the first episode uh, so you can hear the full story. But um, 
we just start levitating and then just like flying, like levitating in the air. And we were just like trying to run away from like something like mayhem or whatever that had just ensued. So I think about that dream. And also like when I was loud, I think about it when I was little dreaming about my ancestors was not fun. And I don't know where the switch happened, but I remember I had a dream about my great granddaddy monkey. And then another dream about my great great aunt um, Maybell. And in both dreams, they were evil. And like my granddaddy had like eyes, they were like, you know, the little, okay, side note, y'all remember December 21st? Um, <laughs> you know, the one that's when we so, got our powers. That's when we got our powers. So everybody's eyes lit up in their profile pictures and everything. So my granddaddy had them eyes and he was holding a plate of like, of like chicken tenders. It was weird. And then my aunt Maybell, not aunt Maybell. Yeah. My aunt Maybell had like, um, she had on like a baby doll outfit and she came out screaming at me on her front porch. I, those are like the three dreams that I remember as a kid. And I don't know why. Uh, because I love them like they help babysit me and everything like that but in my dreams they scared the hell out of me and so um those I think and I don't know what they mean I'm sure I was I was stressed I mean like I said earlier I was a I was a stressed anxious kid and there was you know stuff going on in my in my home that I'm sure like contributed to that anxiety um but yeah I always go back to that flying dream because I think for me that's flying has always been a way for me to like escape and I hate it that I could not fly when I and I still hate it low-key but like I wish I'd be having wings to just like just like hover and see everything but see it's is it's interesting now because whenever I dream about flying it sort of equates to me um following my own path and like doing what I know I need to be doing to take care of myself and, and further like my own like aspirations and everything. But it's like, as soon as I start thinking that I'm flying, that's when I fall in the dream. So I have to just keep not thinking and just do, because if I don't, then I'll like just start tumbling out the air. First, let me say, I love your relatives' names. They are so, I was like, these some deep country folk. Okay, Mabel, Maybell. Corrine. Yeah, Corrine. Listen, There's some nice names. There's some names. Some country okay. names. I love Listen, it. I got oh. two granddaddy. I got a granddaddy fox and a granddaddy monkey. And <laughs> for like my half of my life, I ain't never made the connection and they were named after animals until I was telling one of my best friends about it. I was just like, they were like, why does all your grandparents got animal names? I was just like, oh shit. I ain't never thought about that. <laughs> Listen, when I came up with this question and then I was thinking about my response I was like well you got too many and then another one came up as we were having our conversation but I think I, I I'm gonna say the other one for another time because that one is too it's too layered but I used to have a lot of recurring dreams as a kid it would be like a repeat of the same dream and everything that happened would happen again one of those dreams was that one of my childhood homes, because I feel like I've had at least four from just like moving around with different people. This particular home, it was just a lot of stuff going on. I was, this is when I lived with my mama, my brother, my little sister and our stepdaddy when he was still around. And I used to have this recurrent dream that we were in the house and it was a big ass gorilla outside. Like, and we, it was like, we were stuck in the house. Like we just couldn't leave. 
when I think back on that, I know that it represented, it represented this very dominant figure that was making the home hostile. At the time as a kid, I didn't even put that together. I was just like, man, here we go again with this damn gorilla. Cause I kept having the same dream and it would just be out there walking around and we just can't get outside. Um, it would be me, my mama, my brother and my little sister and this damn gorilla just walking around the house, keeping us in. And I know, I, and now I know like, yeah, that represented because that's how I felt. It felt like we was in a prison some days in that house. Like we just wasn't going to never escape. And I've had some other dark dreams about that same house, but I don't dream about it as much anymore. The second one, Lord, I know we got some counselors that um and therapists that listen to this show they probably gonna be like I hope this child is in therapy my other dream happened when my father moved out of state so when I was a kid there was a period of time where I lived with my grandma and both of my parents moved away to different states and when my daddy who I was the closest to moved away Or maybe it was like when he told me he was moving away and I was, you know, having whatever feelings kids be having when things happen. Um, I had a dream that I was asleep and something woke me up and I looked into my pillow and the devil, like what you think, what the devil looks like to you when you a kid, had my daddy pulling my daddy back into the fire so that I still remember that to this day. I remember the image, like the image is ingrained in my brain of that happening in my pillow. And for a long time, I've stopped sleeping with pillows. That's why I'm, a lot of my, it's not as flat anymore, but I used to sleep in very flat pillows or no pillows because I became scared of pillows for a period of time that I was going to look in the pillow and see that again. And I still don't sleep with very plump pillows but not for the same reasons I think now I just got used to it but yeah those are my two that um sorry to bring the mood down but that's just what was happening with me growing up (laughs) well girl I um I affirm you I uh I hate that that dream like that image is still in your mind because it's the same thing like with my with my granddaddy it's just like I have pretty fond memories of granddaddy monkey but like that dream of him with them eyes and him just sort of walking toward me. I don't know. It was just, it was very creepy. And it does kind of make me wonder, like, you know, I'm thinking about like the dreams that we had when we were kids and listening to the dreams that like my cousins and them used to share. My sister used to share. It's just like, damn, was we all just like fucked up in some way? (laughs) Or just like how we process fear and anxiety just was just like so extreme. It was like devil highs like fear and like faces and expressions and everything like that like you know I wonder if there's something there and if it's unique to like black kids or like just you know any kid in general all right we're after all that let's take a little break and then we'll be back with maybe something a little more (laughs) lighthearted Thank y'all for tuning into the show. If you want to support us, you can rate and review us on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. You can follow us on Twitter at Hoodoo Plants and Instagram at Hoodoo Plant Mamas. Check us out on Patreon where we share exclusive video plant and spiritual content for only $3 a month. 
we have a new patron, Nova. Thank you, Nova. If you prefer a one-time donation, you can hit us up on the cash app at dollar sign who do plant mamas or our PayPal who do plant mamas at gmail.com. A big thank you to Andy or Andy. I apologize if I mispronounced that. Thank you so much for your donation. Let's get back to the show. Okay, so on your podcast, you have many shows where guests share their daydreams. So I'm wondering, how do you think daydreams are different from nightdreams? And what do you think the purpose of them are? Okay, that is a really good question. Um, because the the daydream mini shows, when I first started them, it was more so to um, touch on like, you know, just short dream stories and not necessarily like long drawn out, um, like full dreams. So like the really the they're all dreams in the daydream mini souls. The daydream was just something I thought it was really cute, but I never thought about like daydreams <laughs> as like its own sort of like entity and everything. Well, I can't speak for everybody, but I know for me, daydreams I feel like you have more control over and also, you know, another form of, of escape, but it's almost like controlled escape. So like I can put my head down, close my eyes and envision myself doing something, going somewhere and not having to worry about like people turning into nachos or something like that. Like there's something more controlled um, with daydreaming, which I think also is really beautiful because um, it's another type of altered reality, just like night dreaming is. Whereas this one, you almost sort of like, you know, well, not even almost, you are in control and there's no outside forces that are, um, that are influencing what goes on in your daydream. I mean, hell, it, I'm sitting here thinking about it and almost kind of reminds me of like a level of Afrofuturism in a way, because me as a black woman, I have complete autonomy and complete control over my situation and circumstances outside of the confines of systematic racism, oppression, capitalism, like all of the things that sort of hinder me from like, or try to hinder me from being my best self. As a daydreamer, none of that shit matters. And I can be and be whoever I want and do whatever I want. And I think that's something really freeing and gratifying about that. I want to say I do agree with the idea that daydreams, you have a bit more control over it. For example, you can choose <laughs> to sit down and to dream. But at the same time, I think something that happens to me a lot is like writers tend to talk about this idea of their characters taking over. And so sometimes I'll hear like a sentence or I'll see an image in my head and I did not have control over that thing, but then I can sit, I can choose to kind of sit down and expand it and be like, well, what's more of this story? You know, what is this character trying to say? Um, where is this going to lead and stuff like that? I think that's a really beautiful way of putting it. I never thought about that before because for me, um, writing, well, writing, writing fiction is almost like, like documented daydreaming in a way, like you have complete control over the setup, the stories, where the characters go, what they do. And even though, like you said, like they do sort of like take over um, in a sense, 
you still sort of have a have a a bit of control based on like you know their background what they're doing and everything and so it's kind of cute to think about like think of a, a novel or a short story as just like you know one big written down like daydream <laughs> I also agree with the idea of control and like the Afrofuturism aspect, because even from my daydreams as a kid and even now, like it's always very like sometimes I be having dreams about like a rev like daydreams about a revolution. Like when some politician, I can't give the exact details on what I be hoping for, but I be having daydreams of me putting um, successful roots on people who deserve it for being intentionally oppressive. Yeah, I, I have, I daydream all the time about using our ancestors' spiritual tools to really enact real change and liberation for folks, especially Black folks, especially queer and trans folks. So since we're all creatives, I'm wondering how daydreams, night dreams, all dreams show up in your creative process. I know we've talked about it a little bit, but if anyone wants to expand. The podcast is my first really like my first foray into incorporating dreams into my creative work. Before that, I hadn't really done it beyond like maybe like, you know, at open mics when I would tell a story about a dream or something like that. But even then it was always one off. With the show, it's really given me like a, a way to incorporate dream telling into my creative practice, like more seriously, like take it more as like a, a serious art form. Um, I'm pretty well known for my collage art, and I hadn't yet figured out a way to incorporate the dreams that I've had into my work. Even though a lot of my work, um, it is dreamy and it's it's whimsical and, and and full of color and everything like that and and you know Afrofuturistic and, and things like that, but um, I still I'm still figuring out how to put dreams into my creative work beyond the podcast. I feel like it would be really cool to think about to to daydream about and is how how I can make a visual art based off of the dreams that I've had or the dreams that my my mother or grandmothers have had and how that sort of like in, informs my process as a creative and as someone who likes to build worlds in different capacities. The show, my podcast is really my first step into thinking of ways to have dreams like sort of like inform my creative work so I'm excited to see like where what comes from from that as like a jumping off point when it comes to daydreaming for me when I'm building a story I'm in my head a lot with my characters and I think that's one of the reasons why it takes me so long to finish stories or that I stop midway through like the story that I talked about Maybe on our podcast about the little girl in the 60s, I haven't even revisited that in a couple of weeks because I have work and obligations and it's just like I can't be spending all that time in my head with those characters. Like I just think it's not compatible with my current lifestyle, but I do think it keeps me creative, right? So like even if I'm abandoning the story for a little while, I'm still thinking about that character. That character is still popping up or that character's brother or their mama. And so in some ways, the world building is always happening. As far as like my like night dreams, 
there was this one dream that was so vivid I had to write about it and it ended up turning to a poem that got published by Raising Mothers. The whole dream was these black hands, black person's hands, a bunch of jewelry and nails, very glamorous, dark skin, aged hand. Like it was clearly an old person's. And right now, I guess I've gone blank a little bit. I don't know if they were braiding my hair, but they were braiding somebody's hair. That was the whole dream. And so off of that scene alone, I wrote that poem that ended up growing into something else. I definitely think I incorporated in my creative process um, in that way. But I feel like I've done more with my daydreams than I have like my night dreams, because sometimes my night dreams is just too, too much drama. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I hope that makes sense. You know, I think there's something that I admire about both of y'all, how y'all use y'all's dreams to inform your written work. Um, because for me, I, I mean, well, I'm unpublished, but I be writing and part of me feels a little hesitant about like putting, incorporating dreams that I've had into the the stories that I write. Um, because in my mind, it's just like, it feels redundant. Like people have already heard this before, but it's just like, girl, ain't nobody heard your shit. Like, and also nobody's read anything. So like, why are you so um, averse to like putting parts of yourself and your subconscious experiences into your written work is what can, you know, can enhance it and make it feel better. So, you know, listening to y'all to talk about that, um, I don't know, it gives me a little encouragement to like, you know, to put myself out there a little bit more with, with my own writing. So thank you for sharing that. I wanted to add two things about first, what you said about you being unpublished, because I think that your collage work, I know it's not exactly the same as writing, but I think it gives a similar effect because the storytelling in it is just so vivid. Like there, like there's a story and whoever the viewer is can see whatever story. Obviously the story that people attach to it is going to be different, but it's, it's just full of stories. And the second thing is, because I think I've dealt with that too, is that I think that's a, the symptom of social media and so many different opinions will have you think that like there's not enough space for a story that maybe is a little similar. I know I've even gotten insecure when I write a story and then I discovered that somebody wrote something very similar to it. And then I'm like, what if people think I plagiarized or something? Like I literally had never seen this in my life. Like it's just literally just happened that way. But I feel like can't nobody tell it, even if it's the same exact idea and story, can't nobody tell the story like you or any of us will tell that particular story. And I have to remind myself that all the time. So yeah, I totally relate to that. But I also hope that you see your collage work as the stories that they are. Well, shit, girl. Thank you. I appreciate that. <laughs> because yeah, I and there are other other collage artists in my um in my circle. Like a lot of us started out as writers. And then incorporated collage like later in our creative practice. Um, but listening listening to you say that kind of just reminded me of like how many damn times have they recreated Romeo and Juliet and and Hamlet 
and all of these other William Shakespeare has stories throughout the millennia, whatever. And it's just like y'all telling the same story, but you know, it's different. And it's just like with, with art and with writing and everything else, it's just like, you know, your art, your creativity is your fingerprint. And regardless of what, of how similar the story is, whether in your dreams or in like waking life, it's like, nobody can tell it like you and share it the way you share it. So shout out to perspective. I love that. I actually have a funny story about this. I wrote a novelette earlier this year about aliens. And so in my workshop, they were giving me feedback, like the inner workings of the aliens and just like clarifying that. So I read a book, it was a sci-fi book. And in that her aliens communicated the same way mine did. She had a lot of the same theories about aliens, the same way that I did. Now I have conspiracy theories about why our aliens are so similar, even though I've never read this book before. And I'm like, maybe the aliens are trying to communicate (laughs) about about, uh, what alien species are like. So now, now I have more conspiracy theories, even though that alien story was already a conspiracy theory that I wrote (laughs) into a novelette. Yeah, it's scary when that happens. I'd be like, not us thinking, not us thinking the same exact thing. What is going on? I got conspiracy theories. (laughs) We got to have a part two conspiracy theory episode now, okay? Because, yeah, some suspicious. Um, let me know when I need to download the episode because I don't really have a lot of conspiracy theories. I have a hold you. I just be listening to everybody else's own, but I got like maybe one or two <laughs> that I can contribute, but that's all. <laughs> Nancy, do you have any final thoughts or did you want to plug anything, particularly your art, your podcast, all of that good stuff? Um, yeah, one thing that I'll say um, before I plug is that I'm so thankful that I went on this journey this um, dream telling podcast journey, despite not knowing shit about doing a podcast (laughs) or recording or editing or marketing or anything like that. I'm glad that the show has its own life and that the goal was to tell stories and not necessarily to like make it my livelihood or anything like that. Cause I was just telling a friend about this the other day. Um, a lot of my hobbies have become what sustain me. And though they still feel like hobbies, they're also my job now. And with this show, it feels like, it feels like an outlet, like an escape, just like dreaming and daydreaming has been escapes for me. And so I think there's something really beautiful about um, how, how us as black people especially just like even just on this call how we're all just sitting around talking and laughing about some pretty traumatic shit (laughs) but um which is which is why I did the I started the podcast in the first place is to is to document us sharing these experiences and these connections and and bringing to life um these subconscious worlds that that we've built whether we we've done it intentionally or not I'm excited that I came back to it. It was really hard first season because I, you know, it was all new to me, but I'm glad I gave myself a break and then came back to the show and is, you know, just as beautiful as, as season one was. And so um, with that said, thank y'all for having me. Uh, Listeners, go ahead and follow me on, on the socials. 
I'm most active on Instagram. You can follow my personal page at Nancy B. Price. That's N-A-N-C-E-Y B as in boy, P-R-I-C-E. Um, you can follow my show, Dreaming in Color with Nancy B. Price on Instagram at Dreaming in Color Pod. You can email the show at dreamingincolorpod at gmail.com. And um, go ahead and give it some listens, you know, some downloads and everything. Binge like Danny or like Listen Weekly. <laughs> But um, tell your friends, tell your peoples, I'm, um, I'm really proud of this project and I want as many of us to listen as possible. So thank y'all. That's all I got to say. There's a special guest in season two. <laughs> yeah, I didn't know we was going to be sharing that this, or whatever, but yes, child Leah, which I, I just want to say too, um, thank you so much for being on the show. I was listening and I mentioned this on your episode too. I was um, listening to y'all's episode on altars and y'all's relationship with, with altars. And it just, everything y'all was saying was hitting. And then Leah said that dream. And I was just like, okay, so it's time for us to connect. <laughs> so um, yeah, I'm not sure when this episode will be coming out, but Leah, yours is season two, episode two. So get ready. That's exciting too. I didn't know if y'all was going to mention it, but I can't wait for that collab. I can't wait to get that because I know it's about to be good because Leah be dreaming. Okay. I be trying to dodge it. Like just let me sit through the night, honey. Okay. Well, thank you so much for coming and thank you for creating that podcast. I do think that podcast is so unique and also important because even though I always had this kind of weird relationship to dreaming or we or having strange dreams or stressful dreams, I don't think I've ever thought about them in such a thoughtful way. And then hearing you talk with your guests, your episode with your best friend, I thought that was such a beautiful episode and I can relate so much. Like realizing these deeper meanings of your dreams and just realizing like how your life sort of manifests in your dreams and that can teach you stuff too like that dream about the gorilla outside our house which I now I know exactly what that meant I don't know it's just I don't know it's just a testament to like how powerful I don't know I don't even have the words but I'm happy that that those type of discussions are happening because I feel like so many people don't have an outlet maybe some people thought think they're weird or don't really have nobody to talk to about and it's like no we're all experiencing this with our dreams there's something kind of magical even when they're stressful there's something magical about what our brains are doing up there while we're asleep so that's my final thoughts thank you for being here if you like this podcast you can like rate and review who do plant moments on spotify and apple Podcasts. anything from the show resonate with you you can share it with us on social media you can find us on twitter at who do plant and instagram at who do plant mamas stay tuned for our next episode y'all bye bye